So, you know, often uh, the people practicing Dhamma uh, seek awakening, enlightenment, wisdom, clarity, knowing. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, one way of one way of looking at it. (laughs) But the cessation of suffering takes us to the feeling quality of it. You could speculate about awakening and how awake you are, or half awake, or never going to wake up, or deluded, or think you're awakened. So often people who think they're awakened are generally a little bit Loopy, you know, going going off. <laughs> but you can know whether you're suffering or not, know whether there's stress or not, and this is this is much more, uh, you know, accurate. And uh, and also knowing where the ease and the happiness is. So, you know, the Buddha, like like many other aspirants. Um, Started off on a kind of ideological search. You know, what's the end? What's the meaning of life? Where's the deathless? And you know, kinds of things that um, were, were kind of the menu to how to get there was general. Was in that time um, through basically repressing the body and then get, getting your your mind to go out of your body into some deathless state, you know, this is going to die, right? So deathless must be, get out of this, and go there, somewhere out there, and get out of this thing, because yeah. <laughs> this is dying, so, yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? So how do you get out of this thing? Well, we kind of, we'll forget about it, neglect it, we don't care about it anymore, neglect the thing, and trying to develop a kind of mind that will, will crush any kind of physical feeling, particularly pleasant feeling, because that could, you know, really get you back involved in all this stuff. Uh, so this is kind of this in- instinct, this in- and it's actually quite common, you know, across all, all spiritual traditions, the, the ascetic uh, self-flagellation and self-mortification, and the Buddha. So he did this to to the sort of excellence. Yeah. <laughs> Tell he was kind of falling over, he was so so skinny and emaciated and ragged, and, and he couldn't even stand up anymore. He just got so wrecked. And then this uh, beautiful, you know, this this turning is expressed in different ways. You know, one is a lovely image of this uh, uh, young girl Sujata who brings him some milk rice. You know, so this sense of the human, very simple human. Meta, you know, the most basic, I feed you, you know, I, I offer to you this gesture, not just the rice itself, but the gesture. And then taking this, and just kind of reflect on that, the beauty of just that, that we can do, the connection to, you know, you're another being and some sympathy there, an offering. So taking, this is one way it's described and uh, legendary. Um, and then sitting and getting enough, just enough to come back to some reasonable state of health and then just recognizing this is just painful 
painful. And then the recognition of when he was a little boy sitting under a tree in the shade where it's very hot and it's in the shade, cool, pleasant, sheltered, safe, comfortable, and feeling kind of at ease. That felt, that felt peaceful. And he bring his mind back to that and just be in that state of mind then he can feel his breathing entering back into that and then he's feeling the breathing maybe this is it this kind of pleasure is not a problem it actually helps my mind to settle yeah. so coming into the, the body through this way and uh, just uh, even in that short anecdote you know you you can sense the first thing is the gift. Even this great, amazing being, the Buddha, you know, well, before his Buddha, incredible resolve, diligence, determination, you know, all massive qualities, and yet the turning point is the given, you know, the gift. Something like that, and then also the recollection, not of some noble idea or divine revelation just of being a little boy and that, that's beautiful the, the kind of human earthy simplicity of it the lightness and the, there's a kind of young quality to it it's not serious it's not intellectual it's not it's just a simple human warmth and comfort and feeling that and then using that as a basis for feeling what when you're in that in that mode uh, natural quality of breathing and out the mind goes to that settles into it and then beginning to refine itself dropping away other concerns fears agitations craving proliferation fantasies malice and then going with purity purifying the mind through this pleasure subtle pleasure so that's the, the epitome of the, of the Buddha's transmission. So pleasure as a path to enlightenment. <laughs> that's a particular kind, isn't it? Where there's a... It's sensitive. It's the pleasure of sensitivity. It's the pleasure of, of uh, uh, feeling safe and held. It's the pleasure of um, uh, 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 kind of like a, a, a present attention into a natural process which is already given a breathing in and breathing out so he's not trying to make it something get somewhere work out the meaning of life uh, resolve his issues with his dad or whatever <laughs> but just that that pleasure and using that to purify the, the the negative influences of the mind so he always said I teach pleasure <laughs> which was quite mind blowing in that day and age you know people thought you'd gone really slack and corrupted uh, but uh you know, it's, it's, it's the recognition, the mind settles in, in this pleasure. It's, it's comforted. Because it's comforted, it doesn't crave. It, it loses its fear. 
it loses its, its guilt, its regret. It loses that. Yeah. What's that supposed to? It's supposed to, it's supposed to be pleasant. <laughs> to stop suffering is supposed to be kind of nice. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, and the phrase nibbana paramang sukham nibbana is the supreme, the highest, the most worthwhile form of pleasure. Ease. You can translate it as ease. That's the removal of disease. So the mind is just light, and that's one way of, of, of kind of trying to get a feel for it, not just the idea of awakening, the feel of it, because this this strand, this theme runs through all true cultivation admittedly, you know, we may have to definitely meet disagreeable and uh, you know, and meet the craving and the fear and the guilt and the worry and all that and we may meet it and it's not particularly pleasant but the theme is as one releases that, there's the quality of pleasure and that pleasure is something to abide in, to dwell in, to make much of, to, the phrase, the word is absorb. So absorb, and this is where the word jhana comes from. So, you know, jhana being an absorbed state. And if, if one absorbs, the mind becomes unified. Um, samadhi. And it's said then there's not one part of one's body that is not saturated, permeated, suffused with pleasure. Pleasure born of skillful states. Pleasure born of, of ease and, and spaciousness. Mind releasing. And they said this is actually, in the suttas, they said that this is not, it's considered essential. Uh, to experience this quality of, of light but suffusive ease so the hardness and the rigidity and the tension of the mind softens and then it can the true you know truer qualities can can be experienced so we look for that and to make much of it when it, as it arises wherever it arises it's a, it's a it's a theme that runs through you know, whereas we may even, you know, um, like it said that the, you know, the, the the lovely sutta where the Buddha mentions, if you know, if your if your body is relaxed and at ease, you will feel happy, pleasant, and there's no particular need to push the mind into concentration because the mind that sit, receives and sits in that happiness is concentrated, it's collected. And it gives us another way of understanding what samadhi means. It's good to re- to re- to redress some of these terms because we're using a translation of a, tra- of, of a Pali, which in the Pali words themselves are verbalizations of an experience, right? So you're going through into the verbal and then even crossing the culture. So concentration for most of us means something that happens in your head. Because when you concentrate on your work, that's what you do. When you concentrate on playing a game of chess, that's what you do. You kind of get it up here and 
brow slightly tightens up and your eyes sharpen and you're concentrated on what you're doing and you get annoyed if somebody disturbs you and so you know when you cultivate samadhi you can have the same thing you're trying to concentrate on the breath and then just nearly then somebody closed the door and I'm nearly there again and somebody shuffled a cushion alright cushion stupid people you know and feel it's kind of violent stupid people no mindfulness at all in this place can't practice here because of people stupid clumsy ignorant heedless people not like me This kind of thing can occur, or you, and you feel, oh dear, it's ill will, it's not right, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and so then the whole thing kind of crashes down. <laughs> but actually, the, the more fruitful result is to, you know, to, to feel happy with other people. <laughs> feel kind and compassionate for other people and to feel befriended other people then they make a bit of noise it's, it's okay it's what bodies do you know they kind of, it's, it's kind of sweet really <laughs> because it, you get the sense you know when you come down to that that feeling level and one of the most important skills is the skill of, of opening the heart yeah. and then you know you, you begin to experience there's a connection because when the heart opens to, towards anything there's a kind of there's a energetic connection a sense of oh, resonance with it so you hear somebody coming oh, somebody come to practice beautiful yeah. Yeah. somebody's coming to, into practice oh beautiful rather than somebody bothering me <laughs> you, know, you just widen to include the, the the realm that you're in rather than trying to shut it all off and you may think well I'm never going to get concentrated that way because my mind will keep skipping around no the idea is that you don't focus on this person, that person, this person what she's doing and you focus on the sense of aware human beings, sounds people settling people practicing, people being where they are Nobody's bothering me. You know, why should I bother? Why should I make a problem out of this? May they be well. Yeah? That's all we need to know this time. And, then the, and actually, the sense of the happiness and the ease of that, your mind begins to settle. And then that becomes your place of concern, your place where the mind unifies. Now, if you're always fighting against things then your mind doesn't unify because it's it's creating a self and other self other self and the other things that are getting in the way of, of my wishes so self other that division that is suffering because we have the, that exclusion experience that I mentioned you've excluded others they're other so that exclusion experience is always marked by a sense of stress got to keep them out don't want them here leave me alone I'm in my space okay you stay over there that's fine but don't get any closer and then that 
then that's stressful. You can't really relax. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's like that. But you know, on a retreat, making a group retreat, making a practice out of just softening those boundaries of nervousness and self-consciousness and just, just making a practice out of that. I'd just like to be feel comfortable sitting here you know, with, with other people who are keeping precepts and you know, not going to do me in, you know, rip me off. <laughs> and I think, well, wonderful. How wonderful to be where there's a situation where everybody's making commitments and working with their stuff. Beautiful. You know, it's, 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 so you can also get recollect that. It's skillful. Now, you know, in this quality of seeking or understanding the way to, to, to pleasure, to turn situations to, to make to pleasure, to this subtle pleasure, which is the pleasure of the release of stress and suffering, yeah. the release of those boundaries of, of excluding. So you kind of reflect on it a little bit. Now, conventionally speaking, we have um, in the Buddhist path, you have sila, ethics, virtue, morality. And again, we can make this into a head thing. You know, what would you do if ants infested your house? Would you kill them? Oh, bad. Wrong. Evil. Bad karma. What would you do if a snake wrapped itself around your mother? (laughs) Would you say nice words to the snake? Would you tell your mother about the brief brevity of life and encourage her to practice? What would you do? You think, oh God, is my <laughs> moral dilemma. <laughs> so we can, when we get to the ethics, we can concoct these incredible scenarios that never happen. My mother never got threatened by a snake. You know. so, but we can concoct these moral dilemmas of what we should do to to get it right, to get it absolutely right, because otherwise, we, you know, make those moral errors. You know, they they count, they add up. Damnation awaits. So this kind of, I don't know if it's a Christian thing that we inherit, some real, you know, trying to get the morality like an absolutely legal court of law to prove you were right, you know, not wrong. And you get these kind of hair-splitting things. But the sense of sealer is really based upon to others as to myself. And, you know, treasuring others, treasuring oneself, treasuring the, the um, presence of others, their, their, you know, the subjectivity. She too wants happiness, doesn't want unhappiness. She too makes mistakes like me. She too has sorrow like I do. This little creature here doesn't want to die any more than I do. Why should I, why should I kill it? You know, recognizing things as, as subjective rather than objects of my, I don't like the look of you, pap. <laughs> you know, it's just an object to my gaze or object to my mind. It's trying to get, you know, that too is a subject itself. 
So then we sense of honouring and, and, and treasuring things. And then you know, that just getting that and feeling that. Oh that feels that feels beautiful, it feels sweet. Yeah. I feel good when it's like that, I feel bright. Is it and with that there's a kind of a, there's a, there is a happiness. The connection of subjectivity, coming into true subjective subjectivity is pleasant. Yeah. Not full subject. The full subjectivity is the I am, I always, I was, I will be. People think this is me, I didn't do that right. The I am is the false subjectivity. It's a yeah, it's a creation. There's a true subjectivity, the presence, call it chitta, awareness, presence, the sense of I. That, that intimate sensitivity. Right. This, this, this has, has got a, a, a vibrant quality to it and when you begin to sense that in others you get that connection the subjectivity sense each other you sense the subjectivity in other and the quality of love primal sympathy and that feels good you feel, you feel it's an agreeable experience because the, the lessening of that stress of who's better, who's worse, who's got it right, how am I, what did you think of me, I've got one over him, he's not as good as I am, that kind of stuff, all that agitation. So we kind of get past the I am's that we can carry and invest so much importance in down to this just fellow sentient being. You know, and then... You know that that's that's agreeable, and then your mind settles, and you f- you kind of realign to that. So when your heart, you come to that heart settling state, then you know you see all these kind of things that are this way and that way and this way and that. Way. You're not going to make a big deal out of that. That's just conditioned. I like that, you know. Some are dirty or don't smell the way they in this way you know, <laughs> you kind of tidy up the world <laughs> to be, it's not going to happen is it but so with that you don't need to tidy it all up because you you, you you know you have that subjectivity you can let to the forms the mental forms the physical forms of people be what they are and your own be what it is because you have that quality within that and subjectivity and the quality of well, love, sympathy, respect and then you feel good you know, your mind isn't agitating this is one way of looking at the principle of sila so sila, virtue, morality heavy word is really the kind of flip side of the Brahma Vihara they're both based on mutuality so Sila generally deals with the protocols and how we how we navigate the separateness with each other. So we sense of respect and may I do this and you're okay and is it okay to come in and would you like that? You know, we can negotiating through that. And, and uh, you know, but that's one side of it. It's how you deal with the external form of, of this and the internal quality is a quality of 
primal sympathy, anukampa, empathy, from which these measureless states, metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, kindness, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, being gladdened by the good, and equanimity, being serene and open to the changes of things without getting hooked in it. You allow a person to go through this stuff and you maintain uh, presence. You don't give up on them. And you don't necessarily condone their actions, but you don't give up on it. This is on them. This is equanimity. So these qualities. And so the Buddha is saying, this is actually, this is the happiness of the trained jitta. When we've, we've aligned our jitta properly, you will, you will be happy. And it's a happiness that's actually greater because you don't need that much and it's portable. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's more secure because it's coming straight from the heart. It's coming straight from where you are. You don't have to kind of well, buy one of these and sort that out, come out with this and all. make her happy by doing this or buying this for her she'll be happy because she'll like me and you know, just straight this is what we like this quality mm-hmm. and so that that sila and sila is about really you know a, a true it's also aligned with truth and truth is also a source of happiness uh, truth isn't just about accuracy, it means true resonance. This is how it feels now. This is how it is now. I'm not saying it's like this forever, it's like this now. And anyone you can say that to who says, mm-hmm, okay, then you feel connection, you feel happy. This is a friend. So, you know, it feels like this now, it feels horrible, it feels awful. And they put it out, and some the other person says, "Yeah, okay, I can receive that." And how's that? With a sense of that's compassion, isn't it? And then we feel the sense of connection. And even though in some ways, you know, we might feel difficult, awkward, unpleasant, but then there's that pleasure, that subtle ease of having been heard. You might say in our colloquial language. And then from that, you can settle. You know, my disappointment, my frustration with you, you've received that. Okay, I can, now that tension can dissolve because the boundary has disappeared. We've been straight with each other. And so this, this quality of, of, you know, sila and connectivity, heart connectivity is, is really so, um, precious because it can, even difficult things, even difficult moods and, and senses, we can still, if we, if we can find that, then even that we can find a certain sense of resonance and subtle ease. And same with yourself, you know, when you're really honest about yourself, not just opinionated about yourself, but you know, yeah, that was, that was a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. Right, good. Because now I know. Now I know you don't do that, do this. So how are you going to know if you can't make a mistake? <laughs> how, else you, how else can you get it right if you can't get it wrong? It's like, how do you know? Like, how do you know what balance is except through that's the imbalance, that's the imbalance, or the balance must be about here. Well, you know, how, how, how much do you allow yourself to get things wrong without some recrimination or shrugging it off or justifying it or blaming somebody or blaming yourself? It's, okay, that's a mistake. Uh, okay, now, how did that happen? That's, uh. So, you know, all the that we're seeing, this is what brings us to wisdom. So the, the Buddha is always very clear about this. Uh, you know, when when um, someone is able to see an error, a transgression, and and acknowledge it as such, he said, "Oh, this is great. This is great gain, great gain." <laughs> because now you know now your, your wisdom faculty is a little bit clearer and sharper. So is this great for you? You know, to have seen this is we consider this progress. Whereas someone who hides their faults or doesn't acknowledge it and denies it, saying, "Well, there's not much hope for them." You know, and yet how fearful we can be of, of getting it wrong, and how fearful we can be of each other. Oh my goodness, if I he might not like this if I. Oh dear, is it okay with monks? What are you supposed to do? Because they might get it wrong and and terrible, be offended, terrible, you know, important person like that. You could make a mistake. (laughs) And you say, well, look, could you just like treat me like a human being? (laughs) I feel much more comfortable like that. And, and, and that sense of to others as to myself, just base it on that. And, you know, it may be not quite classical perfection, but we can work with that and sort of tidy it up. <laughs> you know, so this is a sila and, and, and kalyanamita friendship. And the most important thing, uh, really, is kind of foundational. Because there's a lot of other people around. <laughs> and uh, you know Jean-Paul Sartre hell is other people l'enfer c'est les autres well it sort of points out the limitations of existentialism because that means there's a lot of hell <laughs> but true the otherness is hellish <laughs> a sense of otherness is definitely but other people don't have to be other <laughs> in that sense. This is the whole sense of Kalyanamita, how we can begin to acknowledge the other quality, the otherness, you know, whatever that feels like, and and then ref- sort of work through that. And so someone you can do that with is a spiritual friend doesn't mean somebody you really feel great about all that but someone who you can be open and honest enough to be able to get past the, the 
negativities, the projections, the mistakes, the uncertainties, the disappointments, and just hang in there, come through. So we make the human realm uh, a place, you see, so, so much of even our interest in, certainly mine, awakening, get out. Get out of this. Get out of this. It's painful, it's messy, it's confusing, it's deceitful, it's get out of this. Uh, you know, the same like, get out of this body, it's going to die, it's, it has pain in it, get out of it. Not quite. Come to the place within it where that, all that afflictive negative stuff fades, fades out. Then within it, you're out of it. And say the only way out is in. You go into the heart of it and you see the shadows, the tensions, the possibilities that maybe I'm not, maybe I, maybe he is, maybe trust the con- the, in it, the connection, the subjectivity, trust the truth, trust the goodwill. Mm, focus on that. Of course, with other people, there are people, you know, who we find extremely disagreeable, insensitive, deceitful, malicious, <laughs> so on, uh, and uh, do not seem to be inclining towards our welfare at all. <laughs> so, what about that? How do you deal with that? This is where, again, you know, you, you're beginning to recognise. You start with the fortunate. You recollect the fortunate, and you recollect. You start to you recollect Buddha, and then probably more in many ways more useful to recollect teacher, because then you actually have a, a, a real human feeling for that sense of that which you know who's in whose presence or whose advice painful things of me have dissolved. Truth has arisen. I am grateful. I am glad. Yeah. Bearing that in mind, and then you, you can you can use that as your basis. And people are disagreeable, unpleasant, jealous, mean, nasty. You come from that place, and you think they too have massive afflictions. They didn't have a teacher. I'm <laughs> I'm compassion for them. Yeah. They didn't have anything to set them straight. They got lost in their delusions. I had a lot of delusions and I've managed to drag myself out of a few. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm grateful and I feel a sense of compassion for these beings who are still lost in it. And that's that's the important cultivation. So when anyone has the you know, the real human uh, quality uh, of the connections heart connections and uh, that are based upon skillfulness where disagreeable states have ceased one should remember it bear it in mind stay with it this is the absorbing process 
you're absorbing the quality the heart quality that's been established now you've all done beautiful things yeah and so just even to have kept one precept you know if you haven't been absolutely perfect and impeccable in every action which is what we tend to do yeah you know, I've done so good but then I did that because <laughs> I didn't clean the bathroom very well or didn't get up in the morning and felt grumpy you, know, you, you didn't kill anybody and, and you didn't kill a, an animal feel the quality of the harmlessness that beauty so even to get one precept so you take there where the connection the virtue the integrity has been established and you dwell upon that instead of going to where the faults are and dwelling on them it's kind of like simple arithmetic because wherever you put attention what you put attention on that will grow that will magnify that we're, we're a dynamic system that accumulates put it onto the negative lo and behold you'll find many many things that are wrong with you <laughs> direct it to the because the I am itself is a kind of a defended needy experience you can't really get a lot of great feeling out of an I am <laughs> but you come to uh, to the heart of, 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 of this heart experience a sense of mutuality and respect and harmlessness and for one moment dwell upon that make much of it that grows as it grows and you embody it you bring it into your body you begin to feel certain tensions edginess grumpiness begin to cease so there's a bodily effect and so it accumulates and that means as it accumulates you've got greater potential for happiness for ease and for this quality of release and samadhi so it's that it's this step at a time but every step you you select and you you tune into the fortunate the blessed the happy the you know in that, in that skillful way you dwell upon it make your mind rich with it and it leads on that, that's the process sila goes like that and your mind isn't jumping around because it settles and if that settling can come you begin the process of embodiment which you know we've said a few things about taking that tone that energy that settledness and not just splurging it like oh, I had a great day yesterday will be but <laughs> but letting it letting your feeling your body within that the muscles the tissues the energies and inhaling it so you can embody this quality of, of ease because it's an energy an energy crosses between the mental aspect and the physical aspect that this that's the embodiment principle. Hmm? You know, the energy crosses the boundary, and the unification of body and mind is called samadhi. 
Uh, you know, it was always expressed in bodily terms. You know, these jhanas, always expressed in bodily terms. One's body is pervaded with pleasure. One body experiences bubbling like cool water running into a pond. It's very tangible. Mm-hmm. Because we're dealing with experiences that have physiological effects. But you need to, to linger on it to, to get it to happen. It's not just an idea to linger on the, the energetic and the agreeable experience and select, dwell upon it. Kalyanamita, uh, a skillful uh, spiritual friend, is considered to be one of the essentials for liberation. You know, there are four essentials for stream entry, the, to hear the good Dhamma, to practice in accordance with the Dhamma, to cultivate clear, proper attention, and to have a spiritual friend. When you look at that, you realize, well, to hear the good Dhamma, you hear it from a friend, a spiritual friend, to really hear it, rather than read it, to hear it in your ears, in your heart, in your body, you need a spiritual friend. So, to hear the good Dhamma, you need a spiritual friend. And that helps your attention to get your attention to be clear. You want to focus on those qualities that the spiritual friend presents, instructs, even embodies. Pick it up. Then your attention becomes clearer. You can see what to see and what to not make an issue out of. What to see and what to not bother yourself with. And then this is practice in accordance with Dhamma is that process. Give attention to that which causes skillful states to arise. That's practice in accordance with Dhamma. So this all comes down to this same matrix of um, human connected ease, happiness, energy, respect in that way. Mind when it's when it absorbs and settles into that settles down and this is what is called samadhi, unification. That also is a pleasant experience, agreeable. Yeah. So it's important to acknowledge this because uh, you know so often you go, well if you experience pleasure, don't get attached to it. Careful of pleasure, you might get attached to it. Feel happy, don't get attached to it. Yeah, no, I've been working six years to get a moment of happiness, and I've got. It ain't been easy, you know, it's been a struggle. Now it's kind of whipped away from me, like, there it is, but you can't have it anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. How heartless can you get? <laughs> so, because we want the nice wisdom, more important than happiness. But wisdom actually is the point of wisdom is to discern where stress ceases. <laughs> so you're wise about where your happiness is. <laughs> That's wisdom. Wisdom is not a kind of theoretical thing, abstract concept. It's about discernment between this is skillful, this is unskillful, this leads to my well-being, this leads to my ruin, this makes me feel good in a skillful way. That's what being wise is. <laughs> It's not incredibly intellectual experience. In, in you can, but 
practice it's down to acknowledging what's happening in the citta and tuning in to where the where it feels good that's called wise wisdom makes you happy <laughs> or it allows that to be sensed so this really is the the foundation and how important it is to to you know, to discern that I think well I speak for myself you know it's um, coming from my particular culture and conditioning very much it's a sort of on your own world is a mess on your own sort yourself out get what you can do your thing Um, it's a kind of isolationist experience conditioning (coughs) and then so when I when I first so you you don't have a, a strong Relational field, you know, like you notice in, in like in the, the in the situation in Buddhist India, where people are really connected and bonded to each other, family, village, clan, caste, everybody belongs to everything else. Village kids are running around; they belong to everybody. There's that sense in which you're not boxed up in little houses. You know, kids run around and play with other kids, and it's all mingling together. You know. And even they take that even to the the um, when the teacher takes a disciple, the disciple you come and live with me. And so the original major, uh, foundation of teaching was that the disciple shared the teacher's dwelling. You might have two or three. You get up in the morning, okay, sort things out, get some water together. That's you know, it's not going to a lecture. <laughs> You're actually living with this person and give him a foot massage and. Get the robes ready. You're at bonding, and that was that was considered the the proper way to live, you know, and to 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 not just to hear the teaching, but also to 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 feel the humanity and to also be able to participate, because you put some effort. You 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 know you don't see the teacher as some kind of theoretical object, but you you support the humanity. And that's considered the proper way. If you see the teachers that sick, you go and heal them. You don't think, oh well, get another one. (laughs) 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 So they're not not kind of machines, you know. And so you have that sense, and it brings out the best in you. You develop a kind of simple, I too can do a little thing like sweep the floor. You know, it's not. Uh, kind of, and that quality of kindness and goodwill and respect is considered to be the appropriate um, mode to dwell in, in in the teaching situation. So here, you know, with generosity, people offering food, sharing these kind of things is is is, you know, that's that's a simple representation of the model. Yeah. Now, you know, when I my teachers were school, my school teachers who were okay I guess you know but basically shut up boy do this detention didn't they get you know corrected you know, they didn't have a human relationship to them they just they, their information and I don't th- I think they were quite reasonable people actually didn't do anything um, but you weren't supposed to you know do anything more than that you didn't 
go to your headmaster and give him a foot massage. <laughs> so, you, you know, you come to a monastery. I went to the monastery when I turned up at this monastery in Thailand. Okay, you know, monks, serious people, serious people, monks, moral serious moral people dear. you know but those they give you a little cootie dwelling and it's quite you know and with the ties are so kind of mingled that they they, they, they encourage you to separate a little bit to be a bit more separate because they so they so bond with each other they kind of like to even the men like to hold each other's hands and they giggle and you know they, they really they say, just cool down a bit you know? <laughs> Because you can just kind of play, and you can see adults just playing with each other, and so, which you don't do in England. <laughs> so the sense of just just cool it a bit. But if you're already fr- half frozen <laughs> emotionally, and you get into a chiller. So I just feel this ex- you know, extreme isolation and loneliness because there's nobody to, you want to talk to anybody, nobody see you, you know, and then uh, occasionally there's the some nearers would come by and they'd give you some food, but it's and the nuns would come by and this kind of because you're not supposed to there's not, not supposed to look at them you know, look at you <laughs> so you feel a bit like nervy so put down a cloth and something's going to go wrong here so you get this kind of fear of people and then I'd lie down on it in the evening and you just have the wood floor and it's a rattan mat. So it's even just not, you cushion just rattan, like reeds, yeah? On a wooden floor and lie down on this floor. Oh, so hot. You didn't need any blanket. You lie there. You feel something. Cockroaches nibbling your feet. Because <laughs> <laughs> they come out at night and they, they get the hard skin off the feet and they nibble them. Well, at least somebody loves me. <laughs> you get to kind of enjoy it. Because <laughs> it's some sense of some being recognises me. And they were quite respectful. You know, they weren't, they weren't, they just take the hard skin. I didn't need it. That's fine. They didn't crawl in my eyes. And okay, to have a bit of foot, that's fine with me. And so you've got some sense of a, you know, another hu- another sentient being. Uh, why, why do I feel happy? <laughs> uh, so it was just a sense of, you know, I think these creatures are getting something. They're creatures. They're alive. They're seeking food. They're looking for things. They're not out to do anything nasty. They just want to get their food. Fine, they can have a bit of my dead skin. No problem, you know. And then you can relax a sense of nasty, cockroach, dirty, filthy stuff. Just the sense of contact nibbling away. Okay. So, you know, you could linger on the idea of, you you know, sit up all night swatting cockroaches. But you realise after a while, you know, it's their... It's their territory. <laughs> you know, we share this earth. So what? 
you only get to relax that. And in a sense, even with that, you get a sense of the non-violence and non-discrimination. You feel quite, you know, quite happy to to just have that relationship. (laughs) 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 So it's 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 uh, just detecting that 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 thread and the and understand. So you know, we said. Pain isn't necessarily suffering. You can experience pain, but actually, instead of suffering, is is exclusion, excluding. So when we, we resist pain, which is natural, then you you know you generate suffering. Is it possible to go against that? You know, physical pain and start to. It's just what happens to bodies. It's not trying to do anything. Not trying to kill me, it's just doing what it does and release. And then, you know, the painful mental stuff. This is a disagreeable mental feeling. If I keep fighting it and resisting it, then this tension and nastiness occurs in my mind. Why don't I just relax, find out where I feel comfortable, stay there. That's my business. That's the business of my chitta's health. Don't keep giving attention to this stuff, and it dissolves because all the negative mental stuff is created by the mind. The mind isn't creating it; it doesn't have to be there, right? So, if the mind does its proper duty, which is to attend to this uh, place of ease, then we're not finding ourselves obsessed with what we did wrong, what other people are, and so on. And that's that's our process, to acknowledge, but also to return to the goodwill. And if these negative feelings still arise, then you have to include, you have to open, and say, okay, she did, didn't treat me well. Was, I do feel difficult feeling with her. I could stay with this, or I could say, I have no more issue. I'm not making anything more out of it. Let her be the way she is. Yeah. She can't take me away from this, this inner quality, my own value and worth. So we practice like this. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Then other people are in a way, you know, they are practice. They are. <coughs> The practice whereby we, we experience the sense of uh, humanity, real humanity, you know, humble, acknowledging everybody's got their stuff, nobody's ideal, real humanity, and in real humanity is the seed of awakening. Then we begin to put aside the blaming and accusing and the jealousy and the fear and the nervousness and the sense of I'm not good enough and we to reside in that and the mind begins to release and you see you know with with the other uh, there's something to learn about where I'm still opinionated I'm still defensive I'm still nervy I'm 
still, you know, comparing and contrasting. Something to learn here. Where does that occur? Is she really like that, or do I feel she's like that? What is it in me that, what's in my mind that's saying she's so conceited and up in herself? What does that? Do I need to have any judgment of another person? Hmm? So it kind of it, it also helps to just prioritize the chitta of each other's chittas rather than each other's karma, karmic patterns, inheritances. When you sometimes, as I do, when you listen to people's stories, you think, yeah, no wonder she's a bit grumpy. <laughs> you know, kind of betrayed, beat up, you know. Yeah. Uh, no wonder he's a little bit, you know, insensitive when you listen to this, some of the stories. And then compassion. I always like to recall the um, story of, I think, Baldan Gyatso, who is a Tibetan monk who, who um, spent 30 years imprisonment in, in Tibet. The Chinese authorities put him in prison because they asked him to denounce his teacher, to say his teacher had been a spy. And he said, well, no, he's not. He's not a spy. So they said, well, they beat him up. Said, you, have to, you have to denounce your teacher. Said, well, but it wouldn't be true. I can't say what isn't true, because it isn't true. Well, you know, I can't formulate lies. <laughs> so if you want to know about my teacher, he's this. So they beat him up again. <laughs> and uh, then they, he got put in prison and tortured. Escaped, so then he got beat up some more for escaping and you know, tortured and terrible things. When you read the book, you know, they put an electric cattle prod in the mouth so all the teeth get blown out. And, uh, you know, other people were getting starved and people were encouraged to, to um, tell light, to, to inform on each other, you know. So, so yeah, the encouragement was you should try to denounce your fellow cellmates. Otherwise, if you're not denouncing anybody, then you get beaten up. <laughs> So he got beat up a lot, <laughs> and uh, he wasn't the only one. Many of them died in those prisons, and uh, starving, and various things. And eventually, he's, you know, when he was, he's been there 30 years. And he said, you know, he was some 60 odd. He said, look, you know, you've been beating me up for 30 odd years. I'm, you know, <laughs> if you like, you can do some more, <laughs> but. I'm an old man, you know, just, just, you know, rather let, you know, might let me go home. <laughs> and, uh, I think that they, they did. And he managed to escape from Tibet and he went to see the Dalai Lama. And he, he said, he had this question. He said, you know, I've got this kind of worry in my mind because I'm not certain whether at any moment I might have lost my sense of compassion for my prison or my tormentors 
Mm, you know, I might have slipped away from it, that sense of compassion, because that's what kept him al- kept him alive. That's what kept him alive. That is, he didn't let the heart go down. You know, he didn't let it die. Didn't let it feel closed down in hatred and ill will, which is, or defeat and misery. He's kept the heart bright with compassion. And that's what kept him alive. To survive, you know, without going mad or embittered. To come out and even be sense of concern over whether he'd been compassionate enough. You know, that's, that's you know, that's pragmatic. It's not just a nice idea. It's what keeps people alive through these miserable situations. Mm. And it does. It does. And so, uh, you know, this is to, to remember this, because you all have that. It's, it's natural. You all have that sympathetic sense. You all have some sense of empathy. You wish to be friendly to each other. You know, you don't quite know how to do it, but you maybe something you just wish. You don't want to feel enemies. Tune into that, even the wish for goodwill. Tune into the sense when you see, you know, someone else that seems to be, you know, sitting, looking, looking good sense of, oh, good for her. You know, tune into other people rather than ignore them, shut them out. In this, in this way of Dhamma, then other people are a blessing to you and will make your heart rich and strong. So even, you know, when we, people part and separate the nature of our minds, is we can we can retain, we can absorb into what's been given, what's been shown, what's come up in ourselves, in the presence of others, in the shared and the shared struggle and practicing together. We can still bear that in mind. We can feel the resonances of that, just as you can feel the resonances of your grief and your you know your hurt. Tune into the resonances of your happiness, your virtue, your friendship your integrity, then that won't leave you. Mm. This is what we can do for each other in this in this life. So I offer this for your reflection. <laughs>